morning, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Troy Farkas Show, a podcast that is not about me. It's about all of us. The 20s are a crucial time in our lives. And on this show, we navigate the highs and lows of early adulthood together. Thank you so much for joining me. Hope you're all having a tremendous week, that you're doing what you love, that you're getting after it, that you're happy, that your friends are happy. I know a lot of my friends are happy right now doing some huge things. Super excited for them. Excited for you. Thank you for joining me. Really special episode today because as I was thinking about who I wanted to have on for this week especially, I'm of course talking about the 20th anniversary, September 11th, 2001. There were a number of people I I could have brought on, people who were in New York or had family members that were in New York at that time down in the city, but I chose to talk to someone who could help me reconstruct what happened that day. I was in kindergarten. I was sitting in Miss Thorne, today's guest. She was my kindergarten teacher. I was sitting in Miss Thorne's class and I'll, I'll tell Miss Thorne my, my memories of all of it, but I don't have that many memories and it's such a momentous, such a historic event. So I want to have Miss Thorne on to try to fill in the holes in my memory and to tell me what things were like from her side of things because she was a very young teacher. She was in her mid to late 20s at that time when she was teaching us. And so what was it like for her to so early in the year and so early in her career to be tested by something like that, to have to keep a straight face for us, for us kindergartners have no idea what is going on. We think it's just a normal day. And uh, we obviously didn't understand the gravity of the situation. And of course, as time has gone on, I, I now fully understand what happened that day. And I've watched so many documentaries on it and watch videos on it. And I know people who have lost loved ones from 9-11. And it's a day that I will never forget that anyone who was alive during it, no matter how big or small you were, you remember something about it. It's one of those days you remember what happens, what you ate for breakfast that day. You just remember some of the weird details that you don't remember about any other day. You remember about a day like that, September 11th, 2001. It is the only day that has ever happened in the history of my life that I can think about, except for maybe December 1st, 2012, which if you guys really know me, you know what that date is about. Um, September 11, 2001 is a date that if I think about it for more than 10 seconds, I get emotional. You'll hear me do that when I talk to Miss Thorne about that day. It, it just frustrates me so much. You Once you see those images of the burning buildings the towers, the the panic, the havoc. When I think about people, and I remember watching stories like this or interviews, when you think about people on the plane that has been hijacked and they have to make a final call home, I remember hearing audio messages of a voicemail being left of you know, a husband saying to a wife, the mother of his kids, I love you, take care of insert child X and Y and then a crash. And I can't imagine being on the receiving end of that call. I can't imagine making that call. I can't imagine being on a plane that's been hijacked, knowing that your life is about to end or not knowing what the hell is happening. Who are these guys? Who are these terrorists that that are on here? What are they doing? What do they want? What's going to happen here? Am I going to make it out of this thing alive? I cannot imagine being in that situation. I can't imagine being on a flight 
going to work or going back home or whatever it is that I'm doing when I'm on that plane, I, I can't fathom what was going through the minds of those people. And the people that were heroes from that day that saved people's lives by redirecting the plane, the, the plane that famously landed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, I think, the heroes that overcame the terrorists and um, and did what they had to do in an incredible moment, incredible display of bravery. I could go on and on about September 11th. We'll talk about it here. Miss Thorne and I are going to talk about it. We're going to talk about a lot of serious shit, actually. Um, I didn't know before she and I had started talking, but uh, she's also had a miscarriage. So she's been through some stuff and she's going to talk about lessons she's learned from that, what it's taught her about life, how it's affected her teaching. She's still a teacher at Scano Elementary School. Um, we were her first class. She, that was her first year in 2001 and she's still there. She's taught different grades, first grade, third grade, now fourth grade. She's married to my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Kufdiak. So she's now Miss Kufdiak, um, Mrs. Kufdiak. And we talk about a bunch of things about trying to remember what I was like as a student, as a young Trey Farkas, um, about some of the other kids in the class and uh, modern technology, modern parenting methods, writing. And we talk about a whole bunch of things, 9-11, the miscarriage, a um, bunch of stuff, a bunch of important stuff, serious, not serious. I know this is a show about people in their 20s and growing up, but I really think it, it is important from time to time to talk to older people about what they've learned as they have progressed, as they have been through the grind that we are all going through. What have they learned since then? What could they have done differently? All that good stuff. Um, so I really appreciate a person like Miss Thorne for coming on. It was easy to track her down, much easier than I thought it'd be. Just had to find her email on the good old sheenet.org if you remember those days, if you're from Shen where I went to school. And uh, so without further ado, I'll, I'll shut up here. Here's my conversation with Miss Thorne. I hope you guys enjoy. It's also available over on the Troy Parkers YouTube channel if you prefer to watch it instead. I'm not offended. Uh, if you don't remember, but 20 years ago, I certainly remember uh, hardly anything from then. But we were your first class at Scano. You had been at a couple other schools before then. You were around 27, 28 when you first started teaching our kindergarten class. Do you have any recollections of me at all as a student or any of the, the struggles that I had? Um, I don't remember the struggles so much. Oh, I, I don't. I remember you being um, more like an average. I don't remember you being a high student. Yeah. Like there's a couple kids in the class that definitely I can still remember standing out to me as higher. And then I can actually remember a couple kids in that class, you know, as lower because your class stands out to me. You were my first class at Scano. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have like a special place in my heart. I remember some of the things I did with you guys. Like, I think we did the grouchy ladybug in yep, the gym. Yep. That. Um, I, I definitely did more with you guys than I probably have with other classes just because I was so excited that year to even be a teacher. Um, I remember your eyes. I remembered you had blue eyes. I do have blue know, eyes. Still do. <laughs> It's those little things that stood out to me. Um, you were taller, I think, than other yep. kids. Um, 
but not necessarily the struggles at that time. Like I think comparatively to other kids in the class, you weren't one that majorly struggled. I don't think yeah. you went to the EDK. No, no, I was de- definitely average. Yeah. I'm dying to know, and I'm sure you remember, but so one of my best friends to this day from that kindergarten class is Shannon McNall. She is a high performer in everything she does. I, I imagine she was one of your high performers. Yeah. 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 I remember reading a book in the hallway with her um, because that's how we assessed the reading. We would do these independent books with kids. And I remember how high she went. And I was like, wow. Yep. Sounds about right. Yep. (laughs) Um, So that impressed me. Yeah. So she definitely stood out as one of those higher kids. And now I'm actually on Facebook with her. I see that she's going for her medical degree. Yeah, she she has known. I remember having conversations with her when we were in seventh grade. She knew she wanted to be in the medical field. She wanted to be a cardiologist. Then she's now since uh, she's doing her residencies and is just trying out a bunch of different things to figure out what she wants to do. But she's the hardest working woman I know. Uh, She's now engaged. I'm super proud of her and everything she's up to. So uh, the fact that she was one of your high performers is not surprising. Um, Struggles wise for me, I remember it took me a while to get reading. The alphabet was a struggle for me. I do remember, and I believe the title of the book, and I still have it to this day, Feathers for Lunch was one of the books that we used to read all the time. And so my mom would read it to me every night to the point where I memorized it. And so when I thought I knew how to read was me just reciting this memorized version of Feathers for Lunch to her. It took me a while to learn how to read. And writing wise, I could not understand the concept of a space. I think you, you guys call it finger spacing where you just yeah. put your finger in between the two words that, that you want to form. And that's how big the space between the words should be. Took me forever. I came, I remember coming at you with multiple versions of whatever we were writing. Was this space right? Is, is this too much space? Is this too little space? So it took me a while, but you'd be happy to know to this day that I love writing. I consider it one of my, one of my best attributes, one of my favorite things to do. So I have come a long way as well. Oh God. <laughs> oh. So I want to uh, I want to go back in time for you a little bit. So when you were teaching us 27, 28 years old, you know, your first like full time teaching job long term at Scano. What are your fondest memories from that class? If you can remember. Um, there was a great group of parents in that class. Your parents were very supportive. Um, I've noticed over the years that parents don't seem to be involved the way that they used to be. And the parents in that class were so involved. There was always volunteers coming in. Um, Shannon's mom was always coming in to help. She was amazing. I actually remember, I think, the summer after going to our house with my daughter visiting um and you know she's such a welcoming woman um the kid you kids were just great you were funny you guys made me smile I just I I loved you guys you guys were just like my kids and you think about you spend so much time with the class throughout the year Um, Not necessarily kindergarten, because kindergarten was half day, but a lot of times a teacher spends more time with kids 
than parents do because parents are at work all day. Mm-hmm. So if they're in school for a full day, again, not necessarily a half day, you're spending more time with kids than a parent does throughout the school year sometimes. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, they're gone and you don't necessarily see them anymore. And you're always wondering what happens to them? Mm -hmm. Where are they going? What are they doing? And, you know, even 20 years later, you know, I'm seeing what you're doing and it's, it's great, but I don't get to see what happens to everybody. And those are the things I wonder, but you know, the things that really stand out are the connections that I, I have and make with kids. And then, you know, at the end of the year, you get sad. Like, Mm -hmm. so I was really, I think I cried at the end of the year when I lost you guys, because I had made such a connection with your class. And I was like, now that's like, oh, but I just, I had made such a connection with your class. I mean, I even, and this is so dumb, but I think I even made like little handmade gifts at the end of the year for you guys. And I mean, now I don't have the time to do that now. <laughs> like what a handmade gifts, but that's how much I just, I felt for you guys is I sat down and did that and it didn't matter what time I finished that night, but I was going to do that because I just felt so much for you guys. Um, and I think that's what stands out is just the connection I felt for you guys. That is, that is awesome to hear. We, we love you just as much as you loved us. Um, I, I want to ask you about what you had said at the beginning of that, that parents are not as involved as they, as they once were. Why do you think that is? So I don't know if it's, you know, a generational thing. I don't know if it's because schools don't necessarily allow it as much. I don't know if it's because I'm in an older grade level. I don't know if it's because technology has come about. Um, I feel like a lot of parents definitely hand technology to their kids a lot. Yeah. You know, if their kids are bothering them or if their kids have nothing to do, an iPad or um, their game consoles, they're very content to let their kids go play on those. Mm -hmm. And I'm very Mm -hmm. different. I'm very like, get off your game console. Actually, we don't even really have one. Um, they do have a switch, but that was a little bit of a disagreement in this. (laughs) And they don't really use that much, but they do have like an iPad, but I give them 30 minutes of technology time a day. And then I'm always getting like the more screen time request. And I'm like, Nope, go outside play. Um, but kids are on their technology for hours and whether parents aren't showing the interest because they're not doing things with kids. So they're just not showing that interest in coming into school or, you know, we used to have a, a field day. You yep. Loved field day. Yeah. And when you did the field day, parents were able to come and watch. And in my kid's school, they go to Chango 
parents are able to go and watch. And that's one of my favorite things to do with mm-hmm. my kids. Just watch them go and interact with their friends and take pictures. And I love to see that. We aren't able to have the parents come for some reason. Um, so, you know, whether they're turned off by that, I don't know. But it's just there's not a lot of parent involvement from what I say. Um, and then I don't get to form those relationships with parents. Some yeah. I do it might be one or two every year. Um, but not the way that I used to have those relationships. And I, mm-hmm. I miss that. Yeah. Do you think, cause there's, I can see an argument either way about the role of technology in kids' lives these days. You could say that it is, a great thing because the world is becoming more digital and technological. So by giving them access to all of these devices and this knowledge early on, they'll be better suited for the work world when they enter that. You could also say they're spending so much time on it that it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy um, for a bunch of reasons because it keeps you inside. So you're not getting all your proper vitamins. You're not learning how to play and interact. Where do you fall on that? Is it detrimental? technology or helpful? It's hard to say. I definitely think it's needed for, you know, your future, your jobs. Um, But I definitely feel like it's, it's impacting kids socially. Um, You know, kids don't know how to talk to each other. Kids. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I did or I do in third grade is they talk a lot to each other. They work with partners and they really need to learn how to have a conversation. Um, If they're solving a math problem, okay, tell each other what you got for an answer. Okay, how did you get that? Don't just give an answer, explain Mm -hmm. your answer. You don't have the same answer? Well. I disagree with you because, or, you know, those types of things, but they really have to be given that language, how to use complete sentences when they talk. And a lot of kids don't do that. They don't look at each other when they're talking. Um, So for the whole school year, I really work on that conversation. Um, kids don't always write complete sentences when they come into third grade. And I think some of that comes through texting. Some of them write Hmm. in text language. Really? Say, no, 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 no. We're not texting here. We're actually writing. Like you can't use text. Wow. Abbreviations. Um, So it impacts in that way. But then, you know, I look at some of the things that my daughter's done like digital marketing covers and stuff like that for high school or college. And it's amazing. And you need that in the workforce. So, you know, I guess I kind of stand right in the middle. They definitely need that for the workforce eventually, but in moderation. Um, Yeah. That is something I fear. I come from, if you don't remember, my my mom and dad are newspaper writers and editors from way back. So writing is kind of in my blood. And so, you know, I grew up having conversations at the dinner table about sentence structure and punctuation. And they're still my go-to guides for uh, grammar whenever I have a question when I'm writing something. And so 
uh, it's something that's very important to me, but a common complaint from them and from other things that I've read is that writing is kind of a lost art and not even good writing, just simple writing, complete sentences and yeah. subject predicate and all that stuff and not using texting language. So, uh, you know, it is very sad to me that basic writing is kind of becoming a lost skill, especially as you're uh, starting all these kids early on with technology. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, another thing I do at the very beginning of the year. Um, just something simple. I'll say, what is your name? And they'll say, Jess. No, no, no. And I'll go to the next one. What's your name? And then eventually one child will say, my name is Jess. I'll be like, yes. That's <laughs> it. Looking for them to speak in a complete sentence. And then others will catch on. And, you know, I'm just trying to get them to speak in complete sentences. And then if they start speaking in complete sentences, I hope that that transfers to their writing. Interesting. So this is something that that I'm trying to navigate. And then that that all young people are trying to navigate really is because I feel like it's more difficult nowadays than maybe it was for you at, at your age. So dating in the workplace and, and meeting people in the workplace, it's very hard to navigate now because the line is is clearly drawn now and you do not want to do anything to step over it, let alone come up across it. So you met your husband, my fifth grade teacher, Steve, at Scano. You guys were teaching there. So I want to know, what was the love story there? How did you guys meet and how did you balance that, hey, we work together thing? Um, so we didn't talk to each other for probably a good few years. We worked there. The first year... I worked there. He wasn't there. So he yeah. came in probably the second year I was there. Um, and there was really, this sounds awful, but there was really no need for us to talk to each other. I was in first grade. He was in fifth grade. We weren't, you know, a grade level above or below. So we didn't yeah. really have meetings with each other. The only meeting we really had with each other was the full faculty meeting. And everybody didn't converse with everybody. It was more like the principal spoke to everybody. And I always sat with people that I knew from the primary hallway and he was always with fourth or fifth grade teachers. Mrs. Erlo and uh, Mr. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, and if we walked by each other in the hallway, it was just basically like a hi type thing. And that was it. Um, and it's funny because Later on, he would say, well, I put my angry face on when I walked by you. I'm like, what is that? And he was like, well, I was nervous walking by you, so I put my angry face on. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so probably like maybe three, four years in, I had separated from my oldest father. We were at a similar, I think we were at a party together and we just started talking one night. And then maybe six months later, we were at another gathering and we just slowly started to see each other. Um, we definitely kept it quiet because we didn't know how that would be taken, especially yeah. by the principal. Um, and that really happened more so over the summertime. Um, 
And then when the principal found out, she was like, oh, that's great. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it ended up being okay. So how did you guys conduct yourself in school when you were together? Um, Completely platonically. Yeah. There was no indication that, you know, anyone would really know that we were together. Um, Even now, like, it's funny if we're in a meeting together, we don't really sit near each other. If we do, it's funny. He'll come and maybe sit. Put his angry face on. Exactly. (laughs) Now I put the angry face (laughs) like you didn't do whatever. Um, It's funny. He'll sit and he'll leave a seat between us. I'm like, the first time I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I need a buffer seat. I'm like, a buffer seat? We're married. I'm like, what do you need a buffer seat for? (laughs) So, yeah, we're we're a very odd couple. It's funny. He just, we, we, we aren't like loving in public or anything like gotcha. that so. so you guys have had uh had two kids together uh you have a, a third that predates uh mr kupdiak how has how has motherhood changed you um well okay actually we've had three together so i had um one and we lost her at 26 and a half weeks so I, I would say that that was a very defining um, moment in motherhood. I think that really changed me. Um, my oldest, I think with her, I wanted to rush everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I can't wait till she can crawl. I can't wait till she can walk. I can't wait till she goes to school. So I rushed everything and then we lost our baby. Um, We actually had her in Cape Cod with an emergency thing. And, um, and after, you know, that experience, I just wanted another baby. Um, So we had our next one. And when she was born, it was interesting because she looked exactly like the, the one that we lost. We named her Hope um, because when I was going in for delivery, I, I looked at my husband and I said, I know what her name is. We need to name her Hope because we need to hope that she's going to be okay. And he was like, yep, that's her name. And we were struggling with her name. We were like, on completely opposite ends of what we had wanted to name her up until that point. So when Anna was born, um, she was identical to her sister. She was just her face. And I was like, she looks exactly like Hope. And we named her after her sister. Hope's name was Hope Ann. Anna's name is Anna Hope. Um, But we just kind of put the spin on the Ann and made her Anna. So with Anna, I wanted everything to just, you know, I didn't want her to walk. I didn't want, I wanted everything, like every moment to just stay still in time. Um, and then the same thing with, with my son, Xander, it's just, it's going too fast. I think 
I love being a mom. I love it. I, I don't think I loved it enough with my oldest and whether it was because I was just too young or I didn't appreciate it enough until we lost the baby. I don't know. Um, but I think the loss of the baby changed me as just a person. Um, I just appreciate life more. I appreciate kids more, even kids at school. Um, I look at them differently and, and some still drive me crazy. I mean, my own kids still drive me crazy sometimes, but you know, I was able to now look at every kid and every kid is someone's baby. Yeah. Someone's baby who, you know, they could possibly lose them at some point. And it's just such a devastating thought to me that everybody's child is their world. And if you lose your world, it's, it's devastating. Um, and I think that loss changed me as a person, as a mother, because I know what that feeling's like. So a mother of parents, but I, it's a very different loss for a dad. You know, we process, process that in very different ways. Um, and a parent is just the best advocate for a child. And, and one of the things I say to, to parents now as a teacher, and I didn't when, when you were a student because I didn't get it. But after losing our baby, I got it. That I tell parents, I am an advocate for your kid. And I know that your child is your world. And I don't think I understood that until I lost a part of my world. Um, so I think that's how motherhood is, has kind of changed me. I think that's what, it was a long yeah. answer. Um, but I just, I get how a child is, is a mother's world because if your, your world disappears, it just, it breaks you. Yeah. Um, and it, it's repairable. You know, it, it takes time, but I just, I want, I always want parents to know that I'm there to kind of help with their world. And I don't share with parents that, you know, my world was broken at one point and, and I, I get, you know, what a loss my, you know, I don't share with them that I, I lost a child and, you know, I don't go into depth with that. I just want them to know that I'm there to advocate for them and their child and, you know, if there's ever anything, reach out to me. And But I think that that helped make me a better teacher, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. no, absolutely. But I think that's how motherhood had changed me, especially just that loss. It just, it made me a better mother and it made me appreciate my kids more, for sure. How often do you look back on that moment and how you felt then all the time, all the time. Um, it took me years to kind of work through it. 
um, I'd say a good 10 years to kind of accept it. Um, and it's, it's crazy. I, I don't know how you feel about like mediums and psychics and those types of things. I support it. Um, but I actually went to see a medium and he made me feel at peace with it. Um, and it kind of helped me. And, and, you know, I, it, the loss is always there, mm. but it just, it helped me deal with that loss yeah. better. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, I've obviously ne never been a parent, but uh, I've lost a, a very close friend before unexpectedly. And I know how that changed me as a person that, you know, that was back in, 2012. So uh, a lot of time has passed now, but it showed me that, and I know it's cliche, everything happens for a reason. And it sucks that these, that life teaches you these lessons in, in this cruel of a way, but it, it has truly taught me that every day is precious. Anyone can be taken from you at any moment. So, you know, I never try to, I always try to be the bigger person in situations. I never try to leave a room angry or leave a text thread angry because you know, it's kind of morbid, but I'm always conscious of the fact that this could be the last time I interact with this person. And if, if that person is to, to leave my life, all of a sudden my lasting memory is going to be this, uh, angry emoji <laughs> that I sent at this person or whatever it is. So, uh, it's taught me something and, uh, I'm, I'm glad that it's taught you something as well. And, and I can only imagine how much more amplified it is, uh, being a parent, not to, uh, stay on a, on a sad subject here, but the inspiration for why I want to talk to you this week um, is, of course, 20 years ago, you were tested uh, very early on in your career um, for a moment that it's one of those moments of a handful or a dozen moments in your life that we'll all have where you just remember so much more about it. You remember where you were, you remember um, you just remember all these certain details about a day. So that's, of course, September 11th, 2001. I'm in kindergarten at that time in your class. Um, I, I would like to kind of deconstruct the day as best as we can. I know it's 20 years ago, so the memory is a little fuzzy, but um, you probably just remember more, more than I do. So I'd like to tell you my version of that day and how it went down, and then we can exchange notes, and I, and I want to hear your story as well. So uh, any other day, right? Just any other day. I mean, we're maybe a week into school at, at, at this point had not been had not been long. So it's one of my first few days of school. Uh, it was only half day kindergarten. So get on the bus at 8am or whatever and leave school around noon. Uh, I took the bus, took the bus to school, took the bus back, go to school that day, we're doing whatever it is that we're normally doing in the morning. And then our principal, Miss Fitzgerald, I remember hearing her on the loudspeaker. I don't remember what she said, but her voice was uh, a little scared or uncertainty, didn't know what was going on, but she basically said something, something has happened. Something big has happened. We're sending all the students home a little early. The buses are coming. Got to wait a little bit until we can get the buses uh, here, then get on the buses and everyone kind of escorted us there, just made, made sure that we were good. And then Took the bus home, didn't quite understand why I was leaving school earlier. And then I get home. I I imagine my mom hugged me uh, very closely. My dad was off at work. And then we turned on the news. I mean, every channel that you can imagine was on covering what was going on. 
the breaking news banners, of course, the smoke emanating from the towers, chaos, people covered in, in ashes and soot and people on the streets, and then iconic images of NYPD and of all the first responders and and all of that stuff uh, and all the different Im- images from around the country where other planes were, were being hijacked, like in, in D.C. or in Pennsylvania, I think. Um, so an absolutely crazy day. And I remember the fallout a little bit. I was a, a diehard Yankees fan. And so the Yankees were in the World Series that year. And uh, I remember President Bush at the time throwing out the first pitch um, at the Yankees. Diamondbacks was the was the World Series and he threw a perfect strike right down the middle, which is kind of symbolic of American resilience uh, in that time. And so just looking back, like of all the of all the things that have happened in my life, there, there's nothing more that when I think about it, that gets me more emotional or gets me more fired up still 20 years to this day, just thinking about how how another country could take out their own agenda, their own vendettas on on us, on, you know, just innocent people going about their, going about their days, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, um, sons and daughters, um, just something so, so violent and cruel just happening that day. And, uh, you know, so many people went, went to work that day and went into the city that day for the final time. And, uh, it's just something that, that I, you know, that just breaks me up every time I think about it the images will never leave my mind of, of the burning, the burning towers of the planes flying into the towers and then immediately just going up in flames. It's uh, it, it's wild. So that's, that's kind of just my memories of it. I, I'd love to hear from your side, what you remember of that day teaching us that day. Um, so that was actually the second day of kindergarten. Okay. The first week, like those first three days, um, I remember correctly, we just did like small groups of you guys coming in. You would come in with your parents, I think, or like the first half hour, maybe you would come in alone. There would be like a group of four of you or something, acclimate to the room. And then your parents would come in for the second half hour and you guys would still be in the room. And I would just kind of talk to them a little bit um, about what we're gonna do or whatever for the first part of the year. Maybe it was the third day because we might have just done that Wednesday and Thursday. So maybe that was the third day at kindergarten. Friday was probably your first whole day. And then 9-11 was on a Tuesday. So I remember, uh, if you remember Mrs. Rice. Yep. She came into the classroom. It was like nine something. And she said, plane just hit the World Trade Center. I was like, what are you talking about? Um, so I remember walking into Diane McGovern's room and she had, you know, those rolling TV carts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she had that plugged in and she was watching the news because I honestly can't remember if we had our own computer in the classroom at that point. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because I feel like if we did, I would have had it pulled up. So I don't know if we did or not. Um, So she had the picture of the towers. And I remember the smoke coming from the tower. And she had it pulled up because her son worked down in the city. So she was just really nervous about, you know, if her son was okay or not. Um, 
And that's kind of the extent of what I remember in school. So then I remember being at home with my daughter. Um, She was a little over a year at that point. And I just had the news on watching it. And I was like, all right, I need to get out of the house. So I took her to Friendly's. And such a Clifton Park thing to do. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even go to Friendly's now. Um, So we went there. When we got home, I remember a friend of mine called me, when close, close friend that I've known since kindergarten, oddly enough. Um, And her her ex-boyfriend, who, you know, we were all really close, worked in the towers. So we weren't sure what was going on. Um, So we we hadn't, or she, his family hadn't heard from him. So within the next couple of days, like that's kind of where my head was going. Like, you know, after I found that out, you know, is he okay? And that's kind of where over the next few days, my head was just kind of focused on, on my friend. Like, is he going to be okay? Did he get out? So he ended up not getting out he had moved downstate, gotten a job with his brother-in-law's company. So him and his brother-in-law were both on one of the top floors and ended up being in the towers when they came down. So I remember at Scano, and I don't know if they had it in the morning or in the afternoon, there was an assembly. Um, And maybe you would remember if you were added it probably would have been in the morning and if you weren't there it would have been in the afternoon um and that was probably on that friday so the towers came down on tuesday scano had an assembly on friday and i know that they did that um that song the signing song you know the one I'm talking about. I, I feel like we we signed every song. Uh, I don't. I'm sure if you were to tell me, oh, what, God bless the USA. Oh yeah, great song. Um, and as soon as that started, I actually had to walk out of the room. I couldn't handle it, so I ended up going. It, it must have been the afternoon because I wouldn't have left a classroom full of kids, or I might have said something to somebody and. I just walked back to my classroom and just lost it Um, because I lost a friend. So I just, I couldn't handle being in a room full of kids and keeping it together. And um, so that was really what I remember just losing my friend and in the assembly in Scano um, and just kind of being glued to the news for a few days um, how difficult was it to keep it together um, for those couple of days, knowing the uncertainty around your friends and this attack that had just happened on the country? Meanwhile, you need to put on a brave face and, and try to tell the kids that everything is OK, because obviously we don't understand the gravity of what's going on. Yes. It's definitely kind of hard. I mean, I think the good thing was that you guys were so young. Is that something like saying, oh, you know, it's just bad people 
did a bad thing and that was appeasing to you guys. Um, I think the older kids, you need more than that. Mm -hmm. They need more of an explanation. Um, Young kids, it's so easy to just distract from the topic that when I could say something like, oh, it was just bad people did a bad thing. And all right, let's read a story now. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about the hungry uh, caterpillar. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, you don't have kids asking a lot of questions and keeping on that topic. And whereas if it was something like fourth or fifth grade, you have kids wanting more information and, you know, uh, well, what about this and why they do this? And um, so I was glad that I was in kindergarten at that point and not in fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. Or higher. Wow. That was a, uh, certainly a crazy time. Um, you know, it like, this isn't a political show. Like I never get into politics. I'm not very political or, or have any thoughts on it, but just, I'm just kind of big picture. Obviously things have happened in Afghanistan over the past few weeks. Um, we've, we've left American, you know, soldiers that have died over there in trying to evacuate Americans and, and Afghan citizens out of the country, which is now fallen to the Taliban once again. So to the surface, it seems like, okay, well, we just fought 20 years for nothing. The Taliban is still there and they're taking away all the rights and freedoms and the democracy that we were there trying to establish for the last 20 years. So just how, how does it make you feel? What, what kind of emotions come to mind when you just think about what happened in September of 2001 and where we are now? I mean, it's horrible to say, but I don't really think a lot about that. Um, I mean, what I see and I don't, I don't watch the news a lot, which is awful to say. No, that's fine. I, I don't either. I don't either. I, I don't expose my kids to it. I mean, I, keep them clueless in the world, which is horrible to say, but I try not to expose them to what's going on. I don't want them to see this horrible stuff in the world. Um, But then in turn, that kind of keeps me clueless, I guess, sometimes. Um, You know, the most I've seen going on is people are trying to get back here to the United States. And that just, it makes me sad. Like I just, I, I guess that's a, it just makes me sad. The things that are happening. It, it breaks my heart that people just, for lack of a better word, just this cruel and, yeah. and mean. And, and it's such a kindergarten word really to use, but I just, I don't know how people can be like this. You wonder why, why are people this way? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm in my house or in my classroom, in my tiny little world. The, the thing that I preach most, I think is kindness. It's, I have this huge, huge poster, I don't know, sign or whatever you want to call it in a frame that says in a world where you can be anything, be kind in the middle of my family room. And I point that out to my kids all the time. And, and I say it in my classroom all the time. And 
And then there's things like this going on in the world. And, and it's the complete opposite of what, what I'm teaching. And, and it just, it's heartbreaking that this is happening to people, these deaths. And I just, I, it's awful to say, but I just, I shut it out and I don't, I don't even want to be exposed to it. That's interesting. And I, you know, I fully understand why I remember my fourth grade teacher. I don't think he's at scan anymore, but Mr. Brown, uh, was the man at my house the other night. Oh, wow. Tell him I say hi. Shout out to Gary. <laughs> um, he made us do, and this was the first time I was really wow. exposed to world events. He just made us do this segment or something every day called current events, where maybe over the weekend we would have to, um, just keep track of maybe three stories and, and write something about it, about what was going on. It could, it could be in any walk of life, big or small, national, local, serious, not serious, whatever. Uh, but that was the first time I really remember kind of thinking about something beyond my world. And so I, uh, you know, I have an interesting relationship with current events now. Um, I think it's just because like, obviously the news is overwhelmingly negative and it's overwhelmingly negative because that's what draws ratings and such. I'm in the media industry. I'm fully aware of this, that bad headlines and gunshots and fires and death and scandal all draw more than saving a dog, than a donation, things of that nature. So I fully get it. And so I'm, I'm skeptical of the news industry. So I don't consume that much only when it's really big stuff. January 6th this year. Afghanistan, big historic events. So it's interesting. And I understand your um, your reasoning for not exposing your kids to it. But I, but I do wonder, could it be a detriment to them by not exposing them to the, the cruelties of the world and the horrors of the world that they might grow up one day and have rosy colored glasses and think that everything is perfect when it's not? Um. I mean, I definitely think that they're exposed, you know, in school, like you said, um, Gary Brown had it in fourth grade. And so I definitely think we'll get exposure. Um, you know, I definitely think there's family conversations that happen in front of them when we have extended family. There's they hear a lot. Yeah. Um, we have a couple NYPD officers in our family and they overhear conversations that you know, things that they deal with in the city. Um, so we don't shelter them from conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. We don't say quiet, the kids are here. Yeah. So they definitely hear conversations that happen within the family or the household. Yeah. We just By osmosis, you just, as, yeah. as you're going through life, it you might not seek it out. It just finds you. And so that's kind exactly. of their learning. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I love your, you know, your mantra about kindness. That is something that I hammer home to myself every day. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember, but I remember, so you had a, and I don't know if you still do it, but you had a system in your classrooms, the, the bear system. And uh, there was like the blue bear, the red bear, maybe a green bear. I don't know, but the I'm red bear was for that right now. Oh, I know please. Why? <laughs> The, the red the red bear was bad. There were definitely kids that I remember who got their bear flipped to red so often. But when I got mine flipped to red, which was maybe a handful of times in the year, like looking back, I think, you know, five times getting flipped to red bear. That's not that bad. But when I got flipped to red bear, I was absolutely terrified to go home that day because I think there would be a call home. 
And mom would find out I was terrified of my mom at that time getting flipped to red bear. So I would just go home and get screamed at for whatever I did. I don't even know what I did to deserve red bear, but uh, I don't miss those days, but it seems that you regret that system. I do. I don't like that system. (laughs) I just kind of like, we have a conversation. If there's something extreme, I might have a kid write a letter home. I'm like, all right, listen, this is going to come from you. It's not going to come from me. Um, and then a parent has to just sign the letter and bring it back. And yeah. Cause otherwise, like you remember the kids that had the red bear all the time and I feel so bad. I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah. That was like a first couple year teacher thing. And yeah. Yeah. The, I don't uh, think that's- <laughs> I'm uh, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. I've gotten over it. I forgive you. Um, <laughs> a common criticism of, of kids these days is that uh, like they're softer. They don't know how to, you know, everyone gets a trophy or ever they're softer. They, they handle discipline not so well. Do you find that to be the case now that you've been a parent for a long time and a teacher for a long time? Do you have to parent teach differently discipline wise? And maybe you once had to. Um, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is hard to discipline kids that might need it. Um, for example, just homework situation. I don't believe in a lot of homework. You know, I definitely think that kids should have homework just for the routine of it. Cause mm-hmm. you know, in middle school and high school, there's going to be homework. They are going to get hammered with it. It has to get done in college. You are responsible for doing work outside of your classes. Um, so I give math and I ask kids to read uh, like 20 minutes a night. And there are kids that will never do homework ever, <laughs> but we really can't give consequences. Like we can't say, okay, you need to stay in for recess and do your homework because you didn't do it last night. Um so they don't learn that it has to be done. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah. that's just one example. Um, because parents will get upset if you discipline their child. Um, and in, another example would be, I, I had a little girl, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago, and this would be in third grade, and she would bring her toys into the classroom. And they were a little distracting, you know, you're in third grade, you, you can't bring your toys into the classroom. So I, I gave her a couple warnings, you know, if you bring your toys into the classroom, I'm, and I don't, I don't yell, like I'm a very yeah. soft speaker, calm, um, and it works for me. So if you bring your toys in again, I'm going to take them and I'm until Friday afternoon and you can take them home on Friday. So she had the warning. She brought them in again. I said, okay, you need to give them to me and and you can take them home on Friday. So her mother called that afternoon and screamed at me. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, okay, listen, you yelling at me is not doing us any good. I said, I'll give her her toys back tomorrow, but she can't bring them in. Like, cause the mother was just so upset with me that I took her toys away. And I was like, she had a warning. 
I'm like, I gave her a warning, but it was just, you know, the parenting that you, you can't say no, you, you can't take something from my child. You can't say no to my child. And they just, they're never going to learn that everything doesn't go their way. Yeah. And I, I say no to my kids. Like they, they hear the word, no, they understand the word no. And, and they're going to hear it in life, but some parents just won't say no. And they will get that trophy when they play baseball <laughs> every year. Yeah. And, um, so I definitely think, you know, it is, it is harmful to kids. Like when they go to interview for a job, when they don't get that first job that they interview for, they're, they're not going to understand why. Like, yeah. Why do you not that up? So you've always gotten everything. Everything has always gone your way. You've never been told no. You've never felt rejection before. That can be uh, awakening if you've never had it before. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Miss Thorne, thank you so much for for joining me today for imparting your wisdom uh, on us. You're the, the first teacher of mine that I've had on the show. I might have to get Gary uh, or your husband Steve on here uh, at some point soon. Thank you for uh, for sharing your stories and your memories as best as you can, and thank you for uh, leaving a big impact on my life. I, uh, you know, you might not think about it as often as I do, but I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. Best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you for having me, and thank you for saying that I left an impact twenty years later because that's that really uh, means a lot. It does. Yes, it is true. I, Troy Farkas, did get my bear flipped to red a couple times in that kindergarten year. And then I remember, I think in first and second grade, it was a stoplight system. Sometimes I got moved to the red stoplight by Mr. Johnson. I don't know what I did to deserve that. I wish I could recall for you guys, but alas, I can't. Wish I could remember more about September 11th. Um, there's certainly so much more to that day and uh, that I'm sure a lot of other people remember so if you guys have any details any stories to share from 9-11 hit me up I, I would love to get some messages from you guys and i'll put a call to action out on my instagram story as well i'd love to hear your memories of that day from people our age because i was five six years old at that time and obviously a bunch of my friends were as well i'd love to hear what your memories of that day were where were you what do you remember who did it affect in your life how does it affect you to this day? What comes to mind when you think about that? I'd love to hear your thoughts, your stories, your memories, your recollections. If you have any of those, hit me up. Litany of ways to do that on thetroyfarkasshow.com, on my YouTube channel, by reviewing The Troy Farkas Show on Apple Podcasts, or just send me a DM, comment on an IG post of mine, whatever it is, however you want to show love, however, however you want to get in contact with me. Um, I would welcome that 20 years ago. It's insane that it's been that long. I can't believe that I can remember anything that happened 20 years ago, but I do vaguely remember 9-11-2001. I will, I will vaguely remember it for the rest of my life until the day I die. I, I will continue to remember it every year and to remember it throughout the year. Uh, I often do think about 9-11 and the tragedy and the bravery and everything that happened after that and the 20 years since then. And with what's going on in Afghanistan right, right now, it's absolutely heartbreaking. My heart breaks for the Afghan citizens and for us, for knowing 
how much we put in there and for our troops that were there for so long. What do they think now about the Taliban being back, about our efforts seemingly being wasted? What do they think about the friends that they lost when they were, um, you know, in Afghanistan, in the barracks or doing whatever they were doing for all the years? Think about all the dollars that we spent, the time, the energy that we spent in Afghanistan because of 9-11. And then it became a different mission to try to establish government and democracy in the Middle East and voting and women's rights, all these insanely great values to have. And now to see them all be ripped away by the Taliban. And I know the Taliban claims that they're a nice Taliban now, but who the fuck knows if that's actually going to happen. I mean, actions speak louder than words, um, as I've said repeatedly on the show before. So my heart breaks for what's going on in Afghanistan for the Afghan citizens that's still there. I'm grateful for the Afghan citizens that got to that got to escape and come to America and various other safe havens around the world. But I know there's so many still left there that are not happy about it. And my heart breaks knowing what happened 20 years ago and what happened um, just a couple weeks ago. It's heartbreaking. I'm upset by it. I know a bunch of you are upset by it, as you should be. But this is not a political show. But this is... Uh, you know, just a human rights thing and just a historic thing that uh, I wanted to talk about this week. So thank you to Ms. Thorne for joining me, for trying to remember 9-11. And thank you for your honesty about about losing a child, what that was like for you. And thank you for shedding light on some modern teaching methods and the right way to raise kids and all that good stuff. I, I think that can be good advice for any of you who are on the brink of becoming a parent or want to become a parent in the next couple of years, all that good stuff. So if you enjoyed it, again, TroyFrockshire.com, hit me up, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate it. Speaking of politics, I do have a post over on my website this week about abortion, about this abortion law that was passed in Texas last week. I'm upset about it, as uh, many of you are as well. I promise I don't get political often. When I do, it's about shit I really care about. I really care about Afghanistan because it has been such a part of my life for so long since September 11th, 2001. And I care about abortion because of the amazing strong, powerful, brave, courageous, amazing, fierce women that I have in my life that I've surrounded myself with for so long. You know who you are. I love you. I'm here for you. I appreciate you. If you want to go check out that post, again, go check it out on the website and go have a great weekend. Remember, as you go about your day on Saturday, 9-11-2021, just take take a second to remember, to reflect, to pause, moment of silence, say some prayers, thank the troops, whatever it is that you can do to commemorate uh, that event, watch a film, read a book, read an article, something, uh, do take some time for that. It's really important. And as well, do do all the things that, that you love to do. Okay, so uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for all the support. I love you guys. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon.